once again. Welcome to episode 123 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, Just Good News, Journal Entry 21, Part 1. But before we get into that episode today, let me remind you, as always, where you can find our podcast. We're always available at Bee Boomer Unleashed dot podbean dot com and then you can also find our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or iHeartRadio. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And also uh, if you have problem finding it there, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed and I'm sure we'll show up somewhere. And as always we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com with your comments, questions, criticisms, suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, or if you know someone who should be our guest, then drop us a line and we'll do our best to get you or your friend on the podcast. For today's episode, like I say, 123, Just Good News, Journal Entry 21, Part 1 is a recorded interview with uh, my former student and friend, Jason Starkey. Now, a lot of you locals here to the Huntington, West Virginia area will recognize the name Jason Starkey. He was a local high school football standout. He played four years at our beloved Marshall University, and he also played four years for the Arizona Cardinals. And you might say, wow, this guy has certainly lived a charmed life. He's one of those multi-jillionaire NFL players and Wow, he just, you know, he he just was lucky. He was charmed. Well, after you listen to Jason's incredible story, and it is an incredible story, you'll see how truly merciful God is and that any of us, any of us, regardless of how bad we think we've messed up, are still able to experience the abundance of Jesus' love for us. So without stealing any of Jason's thunder, we're going to go to that uh, recorded interview. This is part one of that interview. Next week will be part two, and I hope you'll be with us for both parts of that interview. I think you'll enjoy this uh, uh, greatly with uh, my friend and former student, Jason Starkey. So without further delay, let's go to that recorded interview with Jason Starkey right now. Well... The guest we have on our program today uh, holds a spot that is near and dear to my heart. We have with us today Jason Starkey. And uh, Jason, uh, when I taught language arts back at Barberfield Middle School back 100 years ago, Jason uh, was one of my students. And I've got to admit that he was one of my all-time favorite students. Now, I didn't say he was my best student, but he was one of my he was he was one of my all-time favorites. And uh, Jason, uh, I'm really proud of him of uh, what he's done over the years. And he's agreed to come and share his story today. That was, um, you know, has some ups and downs in it. And uh, he. Uh, um, you know, was a, a standout at Marshall University playing football, played uh, four years with the Arizona Cardinals, and then um, kind of had the rug pulled out from under him there a bit. But I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. I'm going to let him tell you about that as we go along. But, Jason, welcome to the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast. Mr. Lake, good morning. Thank you for having me, sir. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be on this production with you. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Well, Jason, uh, you just you just don't understand uh, how thrilled I am to have you here and how people are going to look forward to uh, hearing the story you have to uh, share with us. Tell us a little bit, Jason, uh, and then we'll bring you up to date and as we go through here. I'm just going to kind of wind you up and turn you loose, but tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood, about growing up in Barbersville, and Barbersville area at least. Well, I got fond memories of uh, of growing up in, in Barbersville, you know, West Virginia. Um, I'm I'm the youngest of uh, of three boys. Uh, Jeff is seven years older than me, and Jimmy's ten years older. And you know, I just uh, enjoyed roaming the hills and, and on Highland Drive, you know, um, making making tree houses and and being a kid, you know, back in the '80s, you know, when public pools were still a popular thing you know i would jump in the car with uh, neighbors and friends and we'd go to glenbriar and my mom worked at the ymca and just <clears throat> had a pretty carefree childhood um and uh and, and and grew up you know without really wanting for nothing and uh and i'm and i'm really grateful to both my mom and dad for doing that now they they separated when i was 11 um, and inevitably got a divorce. And my eldest brother, you know, he uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps and he, he left my life when I was eight years old. So at a young age, um, I had to begin developing these, you know, coping mechanisms to account for, you know, important, um, you know, people in my life, uh, you know, moving out of the house for whatever reason. Um, and so that, that's, you know, to give you some insight as we kind of unpack this, this testimony, um, I think those are significant events that occurred in my life at that time. Right. And, uh, of course, I got to know you when you <clears throat> became a student at uh, Barbersville Middle School. And like we said, you were in my class. And I can remember right where you sat back there, Jason. And uh, <laughs> it, uh, you know, brings back a lot of fond memories uh, uh, for me. And, um, you know, we, <clears throat> back in the day, it used to be Barbersville Junior High School, and then we switched mm-hmm. to a middle school. And uh, we used to be seven through nine, and then we switched from grades six through eight. And uh, you uh, uh, were one of my students, and uh, uh, always, um, uh, you know, you hid your problems well because many times you were always jovial and you cut up and uh, of course that may have been one of your coping mechanisms but uh, i remember you as a as as a as for the most part in my class a happy kid and i was you know i mean i i absolutely was um i was also a knucklehead so thank you so much for being kind in your introduction (laughs) and uh and your reflection on what you remember uh I, i love that you have some uh some selective memories there in a good way that benefits me. But yeah, I also like how you said I sat in the back of the class because I absolutely did. I was not a front of the classroom kind of student yet, um, but you've inspired me along with other teachers like Mr. Gerald to become um, a front of the classroom um, a kind of student later on in my life. But yeah, um, I, I also want to mention that, you know, I, I grew up in the Pea Ridge Methodist Church uh, where mom sang in the choir and and dad would sit in the pews next to my brothers and I and, and just, you know, smack us on the back of the head when we <laughs> fell asleep, you know? I mean, and, and when I talk to kids in, 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 in the church environment um, today, you know, and even adults, really, I, I talk about, for me, my experiences as a child, you know, growing up in the faith, more 
is caught than taught. You know, I can't remember a specific sermon, but boy, I really can remember the behavior around our family dynamic as we drove to the church. I can remember waking up and and, and dusting off those Sunday bests, if you will. I can remember <laughs> us acting, you know, a certain way on Sunday, but we, man, we just couldn't really carry that through the rest of the week. And, and, you know, I, I, I know there's dysfunction in every family dynamic. I know that more today as a, as a dad than, you know, I did back then as a, as a child. But one thing I can remember, Mr. Lake is we're sitting in the car and the last words, almost inevitably for these three boys that we would receive from our father and all his wisdom is he'd turn around and look us right in the eye and say, Hey, when we go in there. I want you three to behave. <laughs> and, Good advice. I mean, I mean, it's great advice, and 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 I got a great dad. That's a big part of my story too. But as a child, you know, in hindsight, really, what I caught at that time was was that somehow I'm going to manage the sin in my life. Somehow I'm going to earn the grace that Christ has given to me. Somehow, you know, in hindsight, this this you need to behave attitude um was really manifested into somewhat of a hypocrisy as i grew older and, and i and i walked away from my faith and i walked away from christ and i didn't really establish a meaningful relationship with jesus um you know and then i started to go down a dark path well you know there's a lot of people uh, that have that same mindset today jason you know what am I going to do to merit God's favor? And, you know, there's nothing we can do. You know, uh, you know, you talk about being a knucklehead. Well, I was kind of a knucklehead growing up, too, you know, and I heard that same lecture many times, behave yourself, you know, <laughs> when, when we get into the church. and Or else. Or, or else, yeah. Saying, and, you know, there when I became a teenager, a uh, young teenager, I remember one time vividly, and uh, this was the time I was old enough, uh, at least I thought I was old enough, to sit with my friends and uh, mm -hmm. instead of sitting with mom and dad. And we were in church mm -hmm. uh, one Sunday and um, uh, we were getting just a little bit rowdy on the back row. And uh, <laughs> my dad turned around and looked at me and oh, yeah. motioned for me to come up there. And I'm going, oh my gosh, you know. So I ended up as a 13-year-old walking up there in front of everybody and sitting between my mom and dad. And that's where I sat for several weeks after that, you know. But <laughs> but, uh, but I learned my lesson. But today, you know, people, uh, it seems like, you know, they don't understand this business of grace, this free gift that, that God gives us. They think, you know, we've been taught all our life there's no free lunch, you don't get something for nothing, you know, and but Jesus, you know, he paid the price. And and for us to try to merit his favor, and I think all of us at one time or another have tried to do that same thing, but it's ludicrous. It is. You know, he, the victory's already been won with his completed work on, you know, at the Calvary and on the cross. And that's a tough concept, really, to grasp. Um, because innately, you know, human nature is to feel shameful and guilty and unworthy. And, and, and although we are all those things, um, you know, uh, there's, there's nothing I can do that warrants, warrants the gift that he has for me. And here's the other part of that. Uh, if I may, 
that story that you just gave is a microcosm um, of experiences, you know, that I had about faith being a destinational you know, right. journey. It, it wasn't about, it wasn't about a relationship I can absolutely have today and a walk that I can absolutely participate in now. It's about where am I going when? Right. And, 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 and for me as a kid, man, that was, that was petrifying. You know, I'm constantly doing the checks and balances and measure myself and, you know, and, and, and not measuring up. And, you know, so with that, at the, at the ripe old age of 12, man, I'd, I'd already failed miserably and I was going to hell. Yeah. Um, and, and there was no stopping it. It was a brimstone and fire message that was received. And, um, you know, and so in order to start coping with, with that and so much more, you know, I, I had my first drink of alcohol shortly after, you know, there's a lot of things going on in life. And, and I was going to that middle school that you spoke of. And, um, you know, and, and when I, ever since I can remember, I can remember really not feeling a part of, and that may sound weird to your audience for a guy that, you know, has, I guess my resume or experiences, but from the earliest of ages, I wanted to play football because I really wanted to seek attention and acceptance from those around me. And when that started to even happen in high school, I still didn't feel like I measured up. You know, I was the kid at the family reunion and, and felt like the black sheep. You know, I was, I was the guy on the football team that just felt like I wasn't good enough or somehow I was going to cause us to lose. I mean, I was the guy that wanted to hang out in choir, you know, but didn't want any of the jocks to see me because I like to sing. You know, I, I just had all these random affiliations where really in hindsight, all I was trying to do was just fill this God-sized hole in my soul. And one of those coping mechanisms that I that I found is like, well, if I don't like the way I feel in this crowd, then I'm just going to go over here across the tracks and get into this crowd. And uh, when alcohol came into my life at a young age, it instantly changed the way I feel. Um, I really very much like the effect produced by it. Um, and so therefore, um, I pursued that um, uh, on every occasion that I had the opportunity to, because no longer was I afraid, no longer did I feel unaccepted, no longer did I feel insecure. This was a power that was greater than me at this stage in my life that um, changed the way I feel. And, and, and I'm not saying it always made me feel good. You know, sometimes I wanted to feel bad and it would help me in that venture too. But it just, however I was feeling at the time was never good enough. So I pursued changing that through alcohol and then later on in drugs. Well, you know, uh, you're not the Lone Ranger. There's, there's a lot of kids and a lot of adults that uh, have pursued that same um, escape mechanism through alcohol or drugs or whatever. And there's just... You know, there's just so much more out there today. I mean, there's always been, you know, you've always been able to get alcohol. And then, of course, uh, um, uh, you know, kids in, in my generation, the, the big thing for them was to go somewhere and smoke a cigarette or something, you know. And and uh, But uh, then I grew up in the marijuana age, and then it's progressed from there. But uh, there's just so much stuff that's readily available to kids today. And I think one of the things that parents uh, fail to do is fail to monitor, you know, really their children uh, properly. I remember, and I figure it was a lot the same in your house many for many years. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, one thing we did you know, we had dinner together, and, you know, my parents knew where I was. They they knew what I was doing. They knew who my friends were, and, and today, you know, when I was principal, 
and and a kid would be up end up being truant from school or something, and I'd ask the parents. Well, where was your kid last night? Well, they stayed with uh, their friend. Well, who's their friend? Well, I don't know their name. You don't. I don't know where they live. You know. So, you know, parents today in this economy we have right now, they're more interested many times in being a friend of that child instead of being a parent. And uh, man, there's just so much out there that uh, the devil has to to try to snatch our kids away. I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole nother episode just in what you shared alone. Um, my two cents on that topic is, uh, um, boy, if I ever felt insecure as a 12 year old boy or inadequate, those, those, those feelings of insecurity and inadequacy creep up as an adult trying to raise that another 12 year old boy. Right. Um, but, but really, you know, the old adage, it takes a village. You know, I really believe that I've got to be selective about who I let into that village. Absolutely. Children and even me, you know, because really everything that comes out of the mouth and the actions that, you know, I participate in, it's really just an overflow of the heart. You know, so I really believe God's in the heart business and I got to constantly check my heart and, 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 and the life's events that happened the day that that hit a nerve with me or a barometer or where my heart is. But I say all that to say this. I tell I tell kids and adults alike. Um, pay attention, pay close attention to who you choose to spend time with. Not, you know, when you're at work and you have to be around them, not when you're in class and, you, you know, and the seating chart says you got to sit, sit next to them. I'm talking about those moments in a day, those hours in a week that you have the power of choice of who you spend time with. Pay attention to that because eventually my experience is you'll become a product of what you surround yourself with and for me that 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 rings true you know you hang out with knuckleheads eventually you're going to be a knucklehead you hang out with people that smoke dope eventually you're going to try it too and so as a parent today i try to apply that same logic you know iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another um i try to hang i hang around with people that have something i want and when I was a young guy coming up through the NFL, that was the, the player with the fast cars and the good-looking girlfriend. But today, spiritually, that has done a 180. I want to hang around with, with parents that challenge me to be a better parent. I want to hang around with married men that challenge me to rise up as a husband. I want to hang around with Christians that challenge me to take that next step in faith um, to even get closer and connected to God. And if I may refer back to what we're talking about when we're talking about sin management, you know, today I know I'm saving. I know I've saved and I know I'm forgiven. Um, But today I don't sin to the best of my ability. I still fall short out of out of the fact but I have to, and I'm obeying the law, you know, I, I don't sin because I want to, because I love him that much, because I realized what he's done for me and for all those around me. I realize I've been forgiven of so much. Who am I not to forgive anybody? You know, so, so it's, it's really a beautiful circle that, that exists within all of this dynamic, especially when you talk about the family. Boy, there's no greater way to get a man's attention than through his kids or even through his wife or through his finances, you know, and God's really done that for me in all different kinds of ways. But I think we've kind of already fast forward into what today looks like. And we haven't really given your audience a, an opportunity to see how we even got here. I don't know if you want to unpack that. <laughs> yeah, let's, but. let's unpack that. Yeah, that's, that's great. But you know, there's just so much uh, today that, uh, that we, you know, that we could talk about and, you know, uh, parents today, you know, 
they say, oh, respect your kid's privacy. Respect your... No, a kid has no reasonable expectation of privacy. Parents have to be involved in that life. But let's that's, that's rewind a little bit. And we're in Barbersville Middle School now, Jason. And I think uh, eighth grade year, you had a little bit of problems. You couldn't play football. So that's, that's kind of pick it up there. So, um, as you know, you were coaching. Um, and ever since I was a kid, I can remember I wanted to play football. And, um, you know, even though my, my father and mother grew up in Wetzel County and went to Magnolia High School and they weren't allowed to play until they were in ninth grade, I was constantly on my, my parents about, when it's my turn, I want to play. I want to play in middle school. I was a water boy for Coach Thornburg's, you know, varsity football team ever since I was seven years old when my eldest brother played. And so when I got to you guys, you know, it was time. Um, but I, I failed to uh, pay attention to one important factor, and that that was the quality of my academic participation. <laughs> and um, there was no free rides in Barbersville Middle School at that time. Um, no. And and you definitely earned, you know, what you deserved. And and, and unfortunately for me, you know, I earned a, a less than a C average grade point average, and therefore I wasn't eligible um, to play. And um, and a lot of different teachers handled that a lot of different ways. But I specifically remember how you and Mr. Gerald handled it. Um, you didn't shun me. You didn't condemn me. You actually brought me in closer to the circle that I just very much want to be a part of. And you let me stand on the sidelines. You gave me a jersey to wear. You loved me up. Even in the eighth grade season, when it was already clear to both of you that you weren't going to have me to play on your team, you, you included me, not excluded me. You helped encourage me at a time that I needed great encouragement to do things that were difficult, like sign up and go to summer school even though I was going to miss the Lee Greenwood concert and a trip to my aunt and uncle who lived <laughs> by the water, you know, um, you, you, you helped me realize that um, there, you know, for any great thing in, in this world, right. When you're trying to pursue success in this world, you know, it often requires work and sacrifice. And, and so th these are many, you know, a few of many lessons that I learned from uh, you and that experience. And I thank you for that. I'm grateful for that. And, and, and as a result of that, you know, I became eligible for my ninth grade season, which turns out to be the first year I ever put on pads and helmet. And I remember this day I was living in, with my dad in Mark Allen Apartments over there off P. Ridge Road. And, and I got all my equipment home after it was issued and he was at work and I was by myself and I put everything on. And I walked in this small half bath off this small kitchen that we were living in this humble apartment. And I just stared at myself. <laughs> I stared at myself in the mirror and I was so excited and I was wearing the number 60 and I very much wanted to wear 60 two because that was my family number that my brothers wore but i looked beyond the number and into the mirror and, and, and just began the dream of of athletic success and opportunity uh, and that young boy's heart had waited so long and sacrificed at that point so much just to put it on boy it just seems like yesterday and i haven't recalled that memory in a long time <laughs> well that's a great memory for sure and you had a great career at uh, barbersville high school and and um, uh, going through, and then and then you ended up, uh, doggone, he ended up playing at Marshall. I did, and I walked on at Marshall, and that's, you know, an entire story of its own. I, I always feel like I say this frequently, and it's and I'm not boasting, I'm just grateful, but, boy, I tell you today, I feel like I'm one of God's favorites, and as I look into the hindsight of my story, I've always been surrounded by just the perfect people, uh, giants, I call them, you know, on and off the field, and high school is no exception to that, and because of the great men I got to play with and, and the coaches I played for, we had a lot of success. Marshall was one of the few schools that pursued me, and um, I 
failed to take my ACT, never took my SAT, and and didn't start taking the ACT till my senior year, which I always tell young people to start much sooner than that. Right. And for reasons which I'll describe, I think the first, not I think, I know, the first result I got, keep in mind 17 is the minimum Marshall will take to get you in on ACT. The first one I got was a 13. Right. And it was in the spring of my senior year. And you talk about a humiliating experience um, and a barometer of, uh, you know, reaping what you sow. You know, I was not sowing commitment into my academic, you know, endeavors. I was not sowing you know, commitment into the attendance. You know, I skipped a bunch of school my senior year to do drugs and drink alcohol. You know, I had to take that test three more times. And the third time, my dad's taken me, and it was the last one given that summer. And if I didn't, you know, get the appropriate score, I wouldn't even been able to enroll in Marshall. They pulled my scholarship, actually gave it on who I'm grateful they did. Um, and, 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 I, and I inevitably got the score I needed, and I walked on to college. And the way that really looked inside of my house, humble background, dad had a real conversation with me. I didn't know at the time, but he borrowed the money from my brother, Jeff, who was working as a scab in Ravenswood, earning a bunch of money real quickly. Um, he borrowed the money so that he could pay school. And, and he had you know, a man-to-man conversation with me. He said, look, son, you know, I got you this year. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't get a scholarship, then I'm afraid, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to quit the team, get a job. And that, that was his story. You know, in 67, he quit Marshall and gave up his scholarship because he was married with an eldest son and, and a middle one was shortly after on the way. So he had to forego his scholarship so that he could, he could be a man and, and, and raise his family. And so he was giving me that same kind of lesson. So talk about going into camp with some pressure, um, you know, but it was exactly what I needed. And, um, and, you know, it, it worked out. I went in under Donnan, and then Donnan left that year, and uh, Pruitt came in, and um, I didn't really get an opportunity for a few years, but I did get that scholarship the first year. They actually reimbursed that, that tuition check, and um, I was on a partial scholarship because we were in 1AA, and then we went to Division One. I, I had to earn a full scholarship all over again, so that's pretty much a microcosm of what my athletic career looked like at every level. I was never the first round draft pick, the five-star recruit, the guy we got to have. I was always the undersized, overachieving <laughs> chip on your shoulder and uh, wouldn't have it any other, any other way. And, and if you ask a lot of my coaches, uh, I think they kind of like that too. Yeah, well, you know, you worked hard, Jason, and uh, we were all really proud of you. I remember one night at Marshall, and uh, you and I kind of stayed in touch, uh, you know, not as buddies to hang out, but but I kind of followed you, and I was teaching an evening class at Marshall and uh, saw you down on campus, and uh, you hollered at me and said, hey, Mr. Lake, and as, as, often, as often was your... Um, was your habit of doing so when you saw me, you'd bear hug me and pick me up off the ground. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, so I don't know whether that was part of your weight training program or not, because I'm no small guy. But anyway, uh, I, uh, he said, Mr. Lake, Mr. Lake, guess what? And I thought, well, he's going to tell me something about football, you know. And you told me, I made the dean's list. And I'm telling you what, Jason, I could have popped the buttons on my shirt. I was so proud of you. And, and, and I remember that day, too, Mr. Lake. We talked about this off air, and, and it was a special time in my life because, again, you were among the few teachers that that, that 
God placed there for a reason. And you absolutely rose up to the opportunity that he placed in your life to influence and impact the life of a young man in a way that, you know, something like that would even be possible or even be a goal. And, and so when I went into college, um, you know, I commuted from my father's house and I didn't go out on the weekends, you know, even though, you know, drinking was something I was definitely participating in at that time, just out of fear. You know, I was afraid of failing and I didn't want to fail. And, and I had to take some remedial classes um, in order to get the credit necessary in order to, to take classes that actually mattered. And so a combination of all those, you know, influences and factors that, you know, motivated me to, to put in the time, the dedication I did. I achieved the dean's list on a regular basis. I often say I only made one D in all of my college experience. I only had to drop one class. Um, and again, I, and I owe you, Mr. Gerald, and a lot of teachers, you know, that came before and after you a lot of credit for that. And, and you know, when I coached down here in South Texas for eight years, one of my messages to my student athletes is like, look, it's okay to dream. You know, everyone should have a dream. But if my testimony will tell you anything about the sport of football, you can be among that top 1%, make it to Sunday, make a handsome living, but eventually you're going to need a job. Right. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what my my presence here in this very school should tell you, that you can even have a retirement fund, which I have from the National Football League, but you still need a job. And how are you going to get that job? It's going to be the investments you make in your education. So thank you for making an investment in mine, sharing that story. Well, I tell you, like I say, we're proud of you, Jason. So you get through Marshall, you you play football at Marshall, you you walk on, then you, you know, and you're a scholarship player, and your academic success is is good. So then, tell us about this journey to the uh, to the Cardinals. So I had a great career there, surrounded by amazing athletes, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are aware of you know last undefeated season for that football program, and and and. And really proud of the accomplishments that we were uh, a part of on the field. And uh, even more proud of the men that we became off the field. We'll kind of unpack that later more. But, you know, Pennington was my quarterback. Um, you know, Chapman was in the backfield. Rogers Beckett, you know, John Grace, Girardi Mercer, Mike Williams, Sean Saunders. Just a lot of great men. Nate Poole. Um, and a lot of us went on to play in the NFL. Eleven of us, actually, on my senior team went into the NFL, include myself, but my story wasn't much like theirs. You know, I was already in the master's program. I'd had an ambition to be a child psychologist. I love working with young people. Um, and, and, every, and my buddies that I just mentioned, some and, and others were getting agents and big time agents. And, and I went to the NFL workout, you know, because everyone was asked to, and, but still didn't have any realistic thought that the NFL would be something for me um an agent came into my life i'd never heard of him you know and i can't remember his name but he'd convinced me that you know that i've had a chance to get drafted and so built up the hope in me and 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 it led to me sitting there on draft day with my dad and waiting for our name to get called and it never did well we're gonna stop right there and pick it up again next week so you're gonna just have to tune in next week to see how jason starkey ended up with the Arizona Cardinals. Wow, what a walk down memory lane with Jason there. I hope you enjoyed that. And next week is going to be uh, even better. So you don't want to miss next week's episode, part two of our interview with Jason Starkey. 
Well, I uh, hope uh, that you've enjoyed this time together as much as I have. Uh, Like I say many times, it wouldn't be much fun uh, if you weren't here with us. It would be kind of boring if I was just here by myself. So thank you folks for being here. Thanks to Jason who uh, shared uh, this interview with us. And you don't want to miss part two of this interview next week as we uh, finish up with uh, the incredible story of Jason Starkey. And it's a story of God's miraculous love and uh, care for his children. Well, you guys uh, have a great week. You know, it's uh, last week uh, we took a week off uh, because of Memorial Day. hope all of you had a great Memorial Day holiday. But uh, we're back on the air this week and uh, be back next week for part two with Jason Starkey. But until then, have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.